Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, Pastor Jim jumps into Mark chapter 9. Jesus is alone now with the 12 disciples, continuing to instruct them. And here we encounter an incredible scene the transfiguration of Jesus before three of the disciples who witnessed Jesus in his divine glory and an affirming audible word from God the Father out of heaven. They got a glimpse of the kingdom to come. And the response was they were terrified at the glimpse of glory and power that they witnessed. Jesus' statement just before this occurrence in scripture has caused some confusion, but when grasped in the context of the transformation, not as confusing as it may at first appear. Pastor Jim will explain all week. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, This is My Beloved Son. So the plan is set. The veil is lifted. You get confirmation of the plan from Moses and Elijah. And then this same thing is said again that we keep coming across. Tell no one until later. Verse 9. As they were coming down from the mountain, he gave them orders not to relate to anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man rose from the dead. Can you imagine how hard it must have been not to tell anyone what you saw up on the mountain? Andrew goes up to his brother Peter and says, Hey, Peter, how was it on the mountain? <laughs> Fine. Yeah, any, any, anything special happen? Well, you know, maybe we can talk about it later. <laughs> they had to wait about a year before they were allowed to tell anyone. And, and the obvious question is, why? And the obvious answer is the same answer we keep coming up with. We saw it back in chapter 8, verse 30, where... Jesus told them to tell no one that he was the Christ. That was because there were so many bizarre ideas about who he was. And until the, the, the whole story was complete with the finished work on the cross, it would have just complicated things. It probably would have prematurely sucked them into great controversies. So he says, just don't talk about it until after I've risen from the dead. At this point, he is all about training the disciples, and getting to the cross. Everything else is secondary to that in this final year of his life. So the plan is set. The veil is lifted, the transfiguration. He says, tell no one until later. And finally for today, the pieces fit together. As they came down from that mountain, there must have been a million questions that Peter and James and John could have asked. It wouldn't surprise me if they spewed half a million of them to Jesus as they came down um, that mountain. The most pertinent one had to do with putting the pieces together. They knew who He is. They know He's the, the Christ, the Savior, the Messiah, the Son of God, and God the Son. They, they, they've got that, but, 
okay, Lord, our brains are overheating here. How do we put this together? So they ask one of the most pertinent questions about how what they just saw on that mountain fits with the Scriptures that they knew and loved. So, Mark 9, verses 10-11. They seized upon that statement, discussing with one another what rising from the dead meant. Now, we're saying, what do you mean? What's hard about that, rising from the dead? Well, don't forget, you've read the Bible. You know the end of the story. You know that Jesus died and actually came out of that grave. They didn't, they didn't understand that. Now, they had, they had seen His power over death. They had seen Him raise somebody who had just died. They'd seen that a couple of times, and they're going to get the Lazarus uh, coming up in a, in a few months here. But what, what, do you, what do you really mean by that? And they asked Him, saying, and here's a fit the pieces together question, why is it that the scribes say that Elijah must come first? What are they talking about? Well, read the last couple of verses of the Old Testament. It's Malachi 4, 5, and 6. God says through Malachi, Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the land with a curse. Now surely they were wondering how what they had just seen fits with that. Who was on the mountain with Jesus? Elijah and Moses. So, They had just seen Elijah, but they've been with Jesus now for a couple years. They've known Jesus for a couple of years. Now they see Elijah. How does that fit that God says, I'm going to send Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord? So they were asking him, why is it that the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Well, it isn't just that the scribes say it. The scribes say it because the Scriptures say it. Well, how do you fit it together? They may not have known, James, John, and Peter, may not have known what was revealed to John the Baptist's father, Zacharias, before John was born. The Elijah prophesied by Malachi was explained there, if you will was not to be a reincarnation of the prophet Elijah. It wasn't going to be him raised from the dead. But John the Baptist was prophesied to be the forerunner of the Messiah who, according to Luke 1.17, came in the power, in the spirit and power of Elijah. So it's going to be someone who will come in an Elijah-like manner. And so, Jesus says to them, Mark 9, 12 and 13, Elijah does first come and restore all things. Yet, how is it written of the Son of Man that he will suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I say to you that Elijah has indeed come 
And they did to him whatever they wished, just as it is written of them. What? How does it fit together? Well, here's the way it works. Apparently, John the Baptist was the forerunner of the Messiah. Not apparently. He was the forerunner of the Messiah. He preached the right message. He was to restore the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to the fathers. He was to, he was to bring Israel the one message that they, should, that they needed to repent for the kingdom of, of heaven is at hand. That would have fulfilled that Old Testament prophecy if, big if, if the Jews had embraced Jesus as their Messiah. But they didn't. What did they do to John the Baptist? Ultimately, threw him in jail and then cut his head off. That's not very friendly. So, Jesus said this. It's, It's over in Matthew. And again, Matthew, the gospel for the Jews, a lot more details about Old Testament prophecies and things like that. In Matthew 11, 14, Jesus said this. And if you are willing to accept it, he himself, and check out, Context, context, context. The he is John the Baptist. If you are willing to accept it, he himself is Elijah who was to come. But would you notice, however, Jesus now says, in light of what has happened, John the Baptist being killed for one thing, Elijah does come first and restore all things. Israel wasn't restored. Israel was rejecting. Their spiritual leaders had said, this guy's doing everything he does by the power of Satan. So Elijah does come first, but it's going to have to happen before the second coming, before the glorious coming. Probably it is fulfilled in the two witnesses of Revelation chapter 11. You that just studied Revelation with us, you can whip out your notes and see we talked about that a little bit. One of the possibilities is that one of those two is Elijah, or perhaps the two together uh, fulfill the, the prediction of Elijah. That's a fascinating story for another day. But what he's saying is this, just as Israel blew it in regard to, this, to the Messiah and the kingdom by rejecting Jesus as the Savior... They also blew off John the Baptist, ultimately being the fulfillment of Malachi's prophecy. So the key statement here in all of this, if you're asking the question, how does it fit together, go back to what God the Father said on that mountain. This is my beloved Son. Listen to Him. Context. Context, context. He just started telling you that he has to die and rise again. That's all part of the plan. So I want you, before we walk out of here today, to see that the pieces fit together. Look what has been said in the last couple of chapters. There was a reminder of the rejection of Jesus by the Pharisees and Sadducees. There is this gracious outreach to the Gentiles. Jesus takes his 12 and the others who would follow him. All the-
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.